The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Well, all right, friends. Hey, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, would you grab it? Let's open them up to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5, we are circling the end of this book. 1 Peter 5, there are two weeks left in 1 Peter. Uh, 1 Peter 5, you can open a phone or a tablet, open your Bible. There are hardback black Bibles under every chair. Uh, You're going to want to see this. 1 Peter 5 is on page 1015 in those Bibles, Um, but that's where we're at. Just by way of recap, okay? Since October 1st, so we're just talking the last like five, six weeks. Since October 1st, uh, we've preached these sermons, sermons on submitting to the government, okay? That was a, that was a joy. Uh, uh, the next sermon was wives submit to your husbands. Uh, so that was even better, okay? Uh, that was a good one. Uh, we, we talked about confessing some of our darkest sins, dragging those sins out of the darkness and into the light. And then we've also preached two, not one, but two sermons on suffering as a very normal part of our experience as Christians. Um, and, and, and so those aren't JV sermon topics. Like we, we've not kind of done low bar sermon stuff uh, since we've been in the book of First Peter. And, and additionally, in, in those six weeks, since we've preached all of those messages, we've done five baptisms, okay? Uh, that was sweet. Uh, we've had 85 first-time guests at our church in the last six weeks, uh, which is wild, okay? Uh, we prayed not for 24 hours straight, but for 25 hours straight. Thank you, time change, okay? We did... <laughs> We, seriously, we did our prayer vigil, our 25-hour prayer vigil last week, uh, which was awesome. And then last Sunday was our highest attendance, uh, attended Sunday since before COVID. Uh, second service was 60% full. First service was 90% full last week. I mean, it was, it's like, here's, here's what I'm trying to do with this. Uh, it's been a heavy month of sermons and y'all are just like eating them up and leaning into them and inviting people to them, okay? It's like you're inviting people into these beatdowns that we've been doing through the book of First Peter. And it's one of the things I love about you. I mean, I really do. Like normally churches don't grow when we talk about these things. They grow when we talk about like relationships, okay? Or, or you know, revelation. What does it mean, okay? Are the Apache helicopters those, those crazy locusts? Is that what that means? No, that's how you grow a church. That's how you grow a church, not preaching on wives submit to your husbands, okay? But, but this, is, this is the kind of church that you're a part of, and I'm proud of you, okay? Uh, today's no different, okay? It's, it's, it's not easier. It doesn't get easier this week. We have some work, and today's sermon is titled, Submit to Elders, Submit to elders. We're talking about submission again, a wonderfully popular idea. Uh, but this time we're talking about submitting to spiritual authorities, spiritual authorities. So if you remember back in uh, 1 Peter to 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter talked about the church. He talked about the theme of the church and he called the church um, a, a building or a spiritual house where Christ is the cornerstone and we are all living stones that are being built up together. That's the idea of what the church is. And, and, and we taught that Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. He is the stone upon which everything else is built out on. Uh, and if you build your church on anything other than Christ as that foundational cornerstone, things get a bit screwy. They do real quick. And I gave you lots of examples about that. But, but only Jesus Christ is the firm foundation upon which we build the local church. He is the foundation. And I can't stress that enough. So I'm just reminding you here. If Jesus Christ is not the foundation of a church, if he's not the foundation of any church, listen to me, it's not a church. It's not a church. It's something else, but it is not defined as a church. It can be called a club, okay? Like a club of Christians. Okay, call it a party. Like you might, I mean, you've been to some of those churches where it's like a rave, okay? Maybe that's what it is, okay? It's a, it's a community, it's a friend group, it's a cause, it's a mission. Call it whatever you want, but, but if the foundation isn't Jesus, listen, it's not a church. It's not a church, 
But now Peter, in chapter 5, is circling back to the corporate body, the church, and what he wants to talk about as he's closing up his book uh, is that while Christ is the cornerstone of the church, in chapter 5, Peter teaches that there are some of those living stones, those members of a church, who are called to be leaders of the local church. And the biblical word for spiritual leaders is elders. It's elders. Elders is the word for the leaders, the spiritual leaders of a local church. Sometimes you'll see it translated as overseers, elders, overseers. And it's also where we get our English word pastor. So all th- those could be used interchangeably. Elder, overseer, pastor, they're all referring to the same idea in the Greek. Now, here's what I want to do. Before we get into 1 Peter, before we get into our text, I want to read you another verse about elders uh, from a local church. And this is from the, the, the book of Hebrews, okay? So look at Hebrews 13, 17. I'll put this up. The writer of Hebrews says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So this is like a parallel text to our text today, and it's saying that we all have spiritual leaders who hold authority, spiritual authority over us. Now, listen, I know that grates against American individualism more than almost anything I could talk about. That there is somebody who spiritually holds authority over you. You're like, no way. I barely want to submit to the government. Forget about elders. You kidding me? So, so, so we got to work through this because culturally, this is a dissonance for our minds. For our minds, okay? There are elders who the text says are over a church and they keep watch over our souls. That's the charge, And as a part of a church, if you are a part of a church, they have a God-given authority over you. And the text says, the writer of Hebrews says, submit to them. Now, Peter's going to use a similar word in his idea for submission. He's going to say, be subject to, but it's synonymous. Submit to elders, be subject to elders. So then the question that always comes up is this, well, which ones? Like, which, which elders am I supposed to submit to? Because there's a lot of elders out there. How do you know which ones you're supposed to submit to, okay? Uh, what about the complete dumpsters uh, at Westboro Baptist Church? You know that church? In the middle of Kansas or something where uh, they picket soldiers' funerals? You've seen these yahoos on, on Fox News or wherever it's been, okay? Uh, they've got elders. There's elders there. So do we have to submit to them? The answer is no. Okay, just so you know, but uh, uh, I'll, I'll show you in the text. But, but, but I just showed you in the scriptures, it says submit to elders. So, so do you have to submit to that leadership? What, what, about, um, what about the Mormon elder that knocks on your door? Elder Johnson, okay, right? He's like 12. Uh, uh, <laughs> right, he's just exhausted from riding his bike, just looking for a place to lie down and take a nap. I mean, that guy needs a rest. But, but like, do you have to listen to Elder Johnson? Maybe, I mean, no, the answer is no again, okay? Just, I don't want to lead you astray on this, okay? Maybe this is a better example. What about my friend Mark Halleck, who's over at Calvary Inglewood Church, uh, who is uh, an, I mean, he's one of my best pastor friends in the area. Love that dude. Calvary has elders. Hear me, good elders, great elders. Are you supposed to submit to them? See, today we're going to talk about which elders we are supposed to submit to and also what it looks like then to submit to them. So I've only got, uh, as in our text, I've got six points today. So no one need to worry, okay? Uh, That's what we're going to do. First Peter chapter five, we're going to pick it up in verse one. So follow along in your text. First Peter five, verse one. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Okay, that's the first verse, and it's where I find my first point about elders. Point one, churches have elders. Churches have elders? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know. I'm one of them, okay? Uh, does, does Does that point sound crazy to have to make? It It shouldn't. 
Like it shouldn't have to be made, but that has to be made. Uh, it needs to be said, churches have elders. So First Peter, if you remember from the first week of this, First Peter was written to churches in some regions, some areas. The, the regions were Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Five areas in the ancient world. And, and that's a huge and diverse area plot of land that this letter was written to, and it probably included dozens, if not hundreds, of small churches in that area. That's who this letter is written to. And Peter, in chapter 5, verse 1, without hesitation or qualification, addresses the elders in every one of these churches. He's not like, hey, elders in six or seven of those denominations that have uh, elders, those who who I'm writing to, the other churches that don't have elders, I'm not addressing you. No, no, no. He assumes that every church has elders. This is what we learn from this passage. Elders are the normal way churches were led in the New Testament. It's the normal way churches were led. He just assumes that there are elders in every church. He's even like, hey, I'm a fellow elder. Like, I'm an elder of a church. You guys are some elders. I'm writing to you. And so in church governance, in church polity, that's what we call it, governance or polity, uh, there's a lot of wiggle room for how you run a church. There's a lot of gray area for how you do this, okay? Uh, Some churches have paid staff, some don't. You have an option, okay? Do you have a board of directors? You can. Do you have a board of trustees? You can. Do you have an executive team? Sure. Do you have a lead pastor? Do you have a senior pastor? Do you have no pastors? Like you can have different things. Do you lead by committee? Do you have small groups? Like how do you lead? Gosh, there are a ton of different ways to organize a local church. But Peter, Peter assumes that churches have elders. He assumes it. That churches have elders. So whatever the structure is in whatever church that you're looking at or thinking about, maybe attending or checking out, uh, it's okay to have many different structures, but churches have elders. It's the norm in the New Testament. And then in verse 2, Peter begins to exhort these elders in all these different churches uh, at this time. So look at verse 2. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Okay, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Point two, elders are shepherds. Churches have elders and elders are shepherds. Elders are shepherds, okay? This is huge and it is seemingly getting lost in modern consumeristic evangelical models of church. Elders are are shepherds, okay? One of the main verbs associated with these leaders is the action, the verb, to shepherd, to shepherd, okay? Elders are shepherds. That is the core job of the elders is to tend to the church's members like shepherds tend to their flock, to their sheep. So that means, what that means is that elders in a local church uh, should be among the church, should be among the people, should be shepherding the people. Okay, no church should have elders who aren't actively participating in the body, who aren't actually in there knowing the sheep, knowing the members. One book on elders that I, that I read said that elders, elders should smell like sheep. I mean, imagine yourself as a shepherd, like in the field, wandering around in the dust and the dirt and the grass with sheep. You're going to smell, you're going to rub up against them. You're going to smell like them. You're going to pick up some of that earthiness that comes with being with the flock. And that's essentially what he's saying. A shepherd isn't off somewhere else, like governing board sort of mentality, living in another state, governing the church that he is an elder over. No, no, no. A shepherd is, is with the people, with the members, touching them, speaking them. Get, you're you're going to get on me a little bit. That's that's the idea here. The shepherd knows the sheep because he lives with and amongst the sheep. And so this idea of shepherding, listen, that's not just my job. So I'm the lead pastor of this church uh, and I'm not the only shepherd of this church. 
Even a small church like ours, I can't be the only elder. Uh, we share the eldership amongst seven men here at Fathom. We have seven guys who are charged with shepherding the flock, shepherding Fathom Church, this church. And between then the seven of us, we split the members of the church up into smaller groups. So I just said there's like 160 uh, men, women, and children who are in these groups, and, and we, we split them up into these little shepherding groups. And so each elder has a shepherding group that they are responsible to care for. Okay, so I, some of you, I've got some of you. Some of you are in my shepherding group. Some of you are not. Some of you are in Eric's shepherding group. Some of you are in Justin's shepherding group. But it, it, it does, the, every single member in this church has an elder who's charged with their care. We go on and on about that. And then one other thing to note in this beginning of part of verse two is this. The text says that shepherds are to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Do you see that? It, it defines the boundaries of the flock for the elders, for the shepherds. So this is one of the main reasons why we have such a high value on church membership here at Fathom. It's because it's we want to know who's in the flock, as it were, okay? We believe that we are primarily called to shepherd the members of this church. So listen, if you're a member here at Fathom, your, your call is to submit to us, and our call, if you are a member here, is that we are accountable for you, accountable to you and for your souls. We are to keep watch over your souls. That's what God is gonna hold us accountable for, now, now, I said this, and I said this earlier, um, if you're not a member, goodness, you're still welcome here. I mean, gosh, some of you are, are new to the church, you're not ready for membership yet, and this is a journey, but listen, if you're not a, a member here, you're welcome here. We're gonna try our absolute best to care for you and get you plugged in and get you into discipleship relationships. Like, we're gonna do those things, but our first responsibility is to the members of the church, that's, that's biblically the, the flock that is among us. That's the church that we are called to shepherd. So just like you're not supposed to submit to all the other elders at all the other churches, even the crazy churches, even the Mormon churches, just like you're not supposed to submit to all of them, you're also, uh, we are not as elders responsible to shepherd anybody outside of our flock. That's not what we're called to. That's not what elders do. So that's what I see in the text. Let's keep going. Verse two again, we're gonna break it up a little bit. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Stop. Okay, point three. Shepherds are, uh, elders are overseers. So churches have elders, okay? Elders are shepherds and elders are overseers overseers. And this is what most of us think about when we think about a church board. Like when we think about a board or an elder board or a leadership team or something like that, we think about oversight. We think about leadership. We think about decision-making and vision casting and managing the budget, like the church business stuff. That's what we think about when we think about church boards, okay? And my experience before we planted this church with church boards was just that. Not a, not a lot of shepherding going on, a lot of oversight, a lot of governing, a lot of leading happening in those rooms. So I, I, I wanted to point that out because elders are shepherds, yes, we don't want to miss that, but elders too are charged with leading the church, with oversight of the church, which means that elders are supposed to look at the church as a whole and go, hey, is that working? Is, is this working? Should we maybe think about changing that up? Is that what we want to do? Is this, are, are we all going in the same direction? What's happening here? Where's the flock headed? Okay, so the elders are charged to exercise oversight and to lead. We're to look out over the church and God will hold us accountable for seeing the big picture and for acting for the good of the whole of the flock. Okay, so it's this balancing act for elders. It's this twofold thing, okay? As shepherds, elders are to know the flock. Like we gotta know you, gotta be in your, your, your lives. 
We gotta feed the flock, know and feed. Feeding comes through teaching and preaching God's word. We, we know, we feed, and we also protect the flock. The elders are to protect the flock from, from wolves, from those who would, who would cause people to, 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 to go astray in their faith, from false teachers, from bad doctrine, from all of those things. So that's all in the category of shepherding, but then also the elders are to lead, to oversee. So you might hear this at some point, that elders' job is fourfold. Know, feed, protect, and lead. And three of those are shepherding qualities, and one of those is an oversight quality. Elders are to direct a flock corporately, all the while caring for people individually. And that's tricky. That's a tricky balance. It's hard to balance that. Now, Peter goes into the how behind this. Like, how are elders called to shepherd and oversee the flock? How is that supposed to be played out? Well, let's go to verse two one more time. One more time. Shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So he gives us like the how. He kind of gives some qualifiers. He gives three little pairs of qualities that elders are supposed to have as they shepherd and as they oversee things. And this isn't the only place in the New Testament that we find kind of qualities of an elder. All right, First uh, Timothy chapter three and Titus chapter one give us more comprehensive lists of what the qualifications for eldership are. Uh, I don't have time to break into those. We are gonna study First Timothy three next year. So we'll, uh, or for the whole book of First Timothy next year. So we'll get there. But for our purposes, I just want to break down those three things because I think they're really helpful. The, these qualities of how elders should shepherd and oversee their church. Point number four, elders are willing. They're willing. Text says they're not eldering under compulsion, but willingly. So, so for a second, you need to hear this. If somebody wants to be an elder... They got to want it. Like, you got to want it. You've got to want to do this work. You've got to be willing. Faithful eldering, like the way that the Bible's laying it out, demands a lot from you. It demands a lot. And if you don't have this inner hunger to actually serve God and his people in this way, you will burn out so quick in the elder room. It'll burn you up. I've watched it happen. Of course, this doesn't mean that if you want to, like every, every person who wants to be an elder gets to be an elder. Like that's not, it's not just like, hey, I've got this desire. Okay, come on in. That's not how we do either, okay? It's not just that you're willing, but if you don't have a desire to do this, you can't do this. It's a problem. Now, if you're maybe reading this text and you read it incorrectly, your gut response might just be, well, what, what kind of guy isn't willing for that kind of power and authority? Like, what kind of guy wouldn't want that? You serious? But I would say that's a fundamental misunderstanding of the call of the elder. You misunderstand what an elder is supposed to do. The call of the elder is not to power. It's not to authority. The call of the elder is, is, is to sacrifice. The call of the elder is to serve. It's actually, hear me, to slavery. That's at least the language that Jesus uses. That's how Jesus said we're to lead. So when asked about leading in greatness, we studied this this summer in Matthew. Matthew chapter 20 says this, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Elders are willing to sacrifice, to, to become indentured to the church as it were, like that. That's the call of spiritual leadership. It has little to do with power. It has little to do with authority. And this is where it gets so perverted and gets, it blows up so many churches. It's because you get the wrong kind of guys in that room who are looking for power, who are looking for authority, and that's not what they should be looking for. They should be looking for a place to pour themselves out for the church, to serve. Now, is authority granted to the elders? 
Yeah, we just read that in Hebrews. It is. But it's granted to them because they're the type of men who so love their local church and have so experienced the grace and mercy of Jesus that they'll go, hey, I'll put it all in the line for these people. I'm going to serve these people. I'm giving all of myself to these people. I'm going to sacrifice for them. I'm going to sacrifice for them. So some of us have baggage in our hearts about church leadership. Like we've got baggage, we've got wounds, we've got church hurt because of bad leaders, because of bad elders. And what the Bible says to that, it doesn't say anything to you negatively about that, but it would say, don't let that guy be an elder. How did he get in that position? Right? Don't let that guy, don't let a man be an elder who would not be your slave. That's what Jesus says. You want to be first? You want to lead? Get in the back of the line. Become the slave. If, if, if a man's not willing to sacrifice for you, he's got no business leading you. If he's not willing to give of himself so that you might grow in Christ, I'd never trust him. Never. I mean, this is all just teeing it up to eldering being very inglorious. It really isn't as, like you think, oh man, they're just making all these cool decisions. No, we're not. We're dealing with all of you. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'll tell you this. I, it's, it is one of my great joys to be an elder of this church. And it's also one of the hardest things that I've ever done. It's when it's great, when y'all are just awesome sheep, it's awesome. Like when it's good, it's good. When it's not good, it is not good. It's not good. It's not good. It's inglorious. We're in hospitals. Gosh, we're in counseling rooms. We're handling conflict. Like when things get heavy, when things get hard, it's a sacrifice. There have been many Monday nights where I've thought, I, I would rather stay home and watch Monday night football than go hang out with these guys. When it's heavy, it's heavy. When it's heavy, it's heavy. And we need men who know what they're gonna sign up for in order to, to be the kind of biblical elders that we need. So we've tried to build this out, like the reality check part out into our system here at Fathom. This is why we have a six-month minimum process for our elder candidates to go through before they would ever be able to be voted on by the members to become elders. Like that elder candidacy process is in place for a reason. We put these guys to work. We put them through the, the, the ringers. We, we test them. It's why I get up before you. Anytime we have an elder candidate, I put their picture on the screen and I say, hey, if you know anything anything about this guy that would disqualify him, I need to know about it. We need to know about it. If there's shady business going on, we need to know about it before we install them because we don't want sketchy elders. You want to tank a church quicker than you can imagine? Get sketchy elders. The shadier they are, the quicker this place will close the doors. We've got to vet these men and they, and they have to be willing and understand that the call is towards sacrifice. Not towards power, Are you kidding me? Never. Elders are willing. Point five. Elders are humble. Elders are humble. The text says that elders don't elder, they're not doing it for shameful gain. Shameful gain. So some of what shameful gain means is that elders aren't like using or leveraging their position in a way to financially benefit. So that's some of it. Now, listen, that does not mean that some elders aren't supposed to be paid. Okay, being paid is different. Paul says as much in 1 Timothy chapter 5, that some elders are worthy of a double honor and that the worker is worth his wage. So there is some texts that show that some elders can be paid. So here at Fathom, we have both staff and non-staff elders, and we have a rule in our bylaws that states that there cannot be more paid elders than unpaid elders. We don't ever want that balance to be the guys who are getting a paycheck can outvote the guys who don't. It's a check. It's a balance that we've built into our system. So Kyle Knight and myself, we are the two paid elders. He's the family pastor. I'm the lead pastor. We're the paid guys. The other five guys are all lay. They are unpaid elders. And Kyle and I, listen, this is the distinction. We're not paid for our eldering. We're paid for our jobs. 
Okay, I'm the lead pastor of this church. I preach a lot. I do a lot of other stuff. That's my job. And I elder. Kyle is our family minister. He, our family pastor, he sees our kids, our youth. He kind of does cradle to college. Like he kind of covers that spectrum. He does a lot of work. And then he comes on Monday nights and he elders in his free time. That's the, we're not paid to be elders. We're paid to do our jobs. So it does mean financial gain because you can, listen, you can take uh, eldering and you can leverage it into, you know, I don't know, a book deal. Eric, you writing a book? A couple, okay. <laughs> Justin, take note of this. Are there any other? No, okay. We gotta be careful here. Um, so, so it does mean the financial gain piece, but I think it's bigger than this. I think it's bigger than just financial. So follow me here. Elders aren't in it for the cred. You follow me on that? That's what I think the shameful gain actually expands beyond just like trying to make money. Like none of us are making money on this stuff, okay? But, but the shameful gain is credibility. It, it's pride. It's arrogance. It's a haughty spirit. And here's how it shows up in elders, okay? Listen, I know this because I've been there. Uh, it feels real good to be looked up to. It feels real good to be looked up to spiritually. And that can be very dangerous. It's a dangerous place for people to admire you for your spirituality. It's a dangerous place. It's a very dangerous place. And that's why an elder needs to be mature. First Timothy will say he needs to be a mature believer that he cannot be a recent convert. Okay, men need to have been through some seasons in their faith. They've had to have been through it, okay? How has he weathered the storms in his life? We have to ask those questions of our elder candidates. Has he been through some stuff? Has he been through the refining fires of God, one of those fires of suffering, and how has he withstood that? How has he been refined? That's what we talked about last week. We asked that of our elders. So I can tell you of our seven guys, I can tell you every single one of those guys has had seasons of significant suffering, like significant hardship where they were put to the test and they have proven faithful to Christ and to his church. In the midst of that, like to the man, there has been loss. To the man, there has been deep sorrow. To the man, even, even right now, today, there are some of us who are walking through things that the Lord is using to bind ourselves to him and to break us away from the pride that so easily entangles. That's eldering. And so we're on the watch for it. We're on the watch for spiritual pride. An elder, listen, an elder needs to know not that he's strong, but that he's weak. Like a leader, a church leader needs to know that they're weak. There's no swagger in the leadership room of the church. You don't swagger into the elder room. You stumble in, you limp in to the elder room. You're nervous in a good way in the elder room. You have to be. Because of what I quoted in Hebrews 13, like if you actually believe the Bible and the writer of Hebrews says this in 13, that we're going to give an account to God for how we eldered, for how we shepherded God's people, that should put a holy fear in the elders. Because listen, as responsible as we are to you, we're responsible to him. And one day we'll stand before him and be judged for it. That should humble an elder. And then finally, point six. Elders are examples. They're examples, okay? They're willing, they're humble, and they're examples. The text says that they're not domineering. They're not domineering, which implies that the elder isn't driven by the love of power. Okay, it's, it, 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 if, if an elder gets like an inflated ego from kind of flaunting his authority or his prestige or his like dominance over the church. If he just kind of like flutters around and floats from place to place just with like a huge head on his shoulders. If he needs to be up front, Jesus would say it like this. If he likes the best seats in the synagogue so everyone can see him. If that's the kind of guy, if he likes to be addressed with his title, you may call me Elder Chris, right? Like, first of all, that's weird, Okay. Like if I started doing that, but that you should, if I was really serious, you should be concerned. 
by that, okay? Um, and, and if he craves, listen, craves the praise of men. Peter says the test of the elder is to look at those things, to look at his whole life as an example of Christ. Are they examples? Are they examples to the church? Is the elder's public ministry a show? Or, or is it actually their whole life that's pointing to authenticity? Like, is there a public shepherd in front of you and then there's this private dude off to the side who's a little sketchy? They better be alignment. There better not be hypocrisy there. And then Timothy says, what about his family? How do you know if, if this guy is an example? Well, you look at his family, you look at his finances, you look at his hospitality, you look at his discernment, you look at his reputation amongst the church and his reputation amongst those who are outside of the church and you start to do an inventory of all of these things and the elders are essentially, are they the type of guys who you wanna grow up to be like spiritually? If not, they're not elders. It's a no-go. It cannot be. So elders are willing, they're humble, and they're examples. Now, we've only gotten through three verses and we only have two more to go, okay? But let's look at verse four. And when the, sh the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So listen, there is a reward, like the elders are doing it. And I said, they're not paid except for me. Okay. Uh, but uh, they're, they're not paid, but there is a reward. There is a reward, but it's not in some sort of earthly status or honor or achievement or like whatever we might think. It's just like, oh, I'm just going to get rich because of this. Or I'm going to be looked at well because of this. Or I'm going to, you know, get a new car because I don't know. People give elders cars sometimes. I'd, I'd be happy to let you know if I need that. Okay. But um <laughs> But that's not the reward that Peter says. The text says that, that what the chief shepherd thinks of them is their reward. Do you see the chief shepherd? See, there's not a senior pastor at this church, and that's intentional. One is because I'm not that senior, okay? But two, chief shepherd is reserved for one person alone in a church, and I've said this, I said this in membership class, if your org chart for your organization that's a church does not have Jesus at the top, even in some churches won't have Jesus at the top of their org chart, they're like, oh, it's just assumed. No, 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 he's the head. He's the chief shepherd. If he's not at the top of the org chart, that's a red flag. So we don't have a senior pastor. We don't have a chief shepherd here at Fathom. We have under shepherds, those are elders. Two of us are paid. We're called pastors. And, and the rest of us, even us, even the elders, we are all sheep under the chief shepherd. And when he comes, what he thinks about us is the reward. Okay, what the, what the elder longs for is the approval of Christ. That's what Peter says. What the elder longs for is the chief shepherd's recognition. It's that good, good job. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And that has to be enough for the elder. That is enough for the elder. Those are the types of elders that we're looking for to lead the church. So those first four verses are all about the elders. They're all instructions for the elders. Now, what about the responsibility to the rest of the church. Well, that's covered in verse five. So verse five this is our last verse for the day. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay, this last verse gets misinterpreted a lot, just so you're aware. Peter uh, turns the table and he says and addresses you who are younger. And so some people have said, oh, well, I'm not younger than the elders, and so this must not address me at all, okay? And some, some commentators agree with that. Some commentators say, hey, this might just be Peter referring to people who are younger in terms of age, or maybe it's like younger in terms of their spirit, like younger in their walk with Jesus and their spirituality. Um, and both of those in the context is probably, it's probably correct. 
Okay, in Peter's context, it was most likely that the elders were the older aged men in the churches and were the more mature believers in Christ. So it could be that he is talking that, but many scholars think, and I agree with them, that this younger thing is actually a reference to anybody in the church that's not an elder. That it's like the antithesis of elder, younger and elder. Those are the two categories of the sheep in the church. And so we might actually read verse five like this. Likewise, you who are not elders, be subject to the elders. I think that's a better reading of the text and a better understanding and application of the text. And it then comes back to my title of the sermon. We're called to submit to elders. We're all called this way. Be subject to or submit to the elders. Not wildly popular culturally to say that idea, but that's what the text says. Be subject to them. And again, here's what I'd say. Just one more note on this, okay? Never follow a church leader, an elder or a pastor who doesn't understand that one day they're gonna be required to give an account for you. Don't follow that leader. Never follow a pastor or elders who are not painfully aware that that one day they will quit breathing, they will stand in front of Jesus, and they will have to give an account for how they led and treated and spent their life for their church. And James says it'd be better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and get thrown into the ocean than to lead one of these little ones, one of the, the, the youngers, astray. It's a high and weighty calling to lead in Christ's church. And if that piece is not there, then those men are leading you astray. They're not leading God's church the way it should be. They're building the church on something else based on maybe on what they look or their ego or, or, or what's best for themselves, but not what's best for the church. Not what's best for the church. But then the other side of this is true too. Where you have elders who will submit to Christ where you have elders who will pray and plead, not shirk away from the difficult parts of eldering, the hard things, who will lead by example, the scripture then says, be subject to them. Submit to elders. Submit to elders. Now, um, as we move into application from this, let me just acknowledge this. This is absolutely, totally a self-serving sermon right? I'm just telling you like, hey, submit to me. That's, I understand the irony here of, of like an elder of this church saying you should submit to the elders of this church. But, um, but before we, we, we get there, here's, here's what I want to do. Um, I, I want you to hear this. If you're looking for a church home, like so many of you are new to this church and maybe you have not decided, hey, this is my place. If you're looking for a church home, whether it's here or somewhere else, One of the most important questions you can ask of any church is this. Can I submit to the leaders? It's one of the most important. Listen, it's way more important than did I like the music. It's far more important than do I think the pastor's funny? Please. It's way more important than the ceiling's too low or the coffee's not good or whatever the thing is, okay? It's, It's maybe the most important question. Can I submit to the leaders of this church? Can I submit to the leaders? Because, Christian, you're commanded to submit to elders. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. And it's not just in 1 Peter It's in Paul, it's in Hebrews, it's in other places in the New Testament. It's a command. And listen, it's a command for me too. So the elders aren't exempt from that command. In fact, the elders are mutually submitted to one another as well. We are both the under shepherds of this place and we are sheep of this place. So I am submitted to the other six elders. And each one of them is then submitted to the group as well. That's the command. So what do you do with this command, though, culturally, where we're at today, when there are so many people who don't have a church home? So many Christians who like, hey, I don't, I love Jesus, I just don't love his church. So I just kind of go to church whenever, wherever, however I see fit. How do you handle this kind of uh, command in the scriptures if you don't have a church home? 
This is, I mean, this is why we press you all the time towards church home, towards membership, because I don't know how you obey this if you don't have a church home. Like you may as well go to Westboro Baptist and submit to those elders if you don't have a church home, because which elders are you supposed to? The question from Hebrews is, who's keeping watch over your souls? And listen, we all need somebody watching over us. In this world, we need somebody to do that. Who's doing that for you? Now, here's the answer that I get from people. If I like press them, here's the answer that I get because there is an answer that people like to give. And here's the answer. Listen, Chris, I submit to the elders at whatever church I'm at right then. Like, like, like at whatever church I'm going to at that point, that's the place that I'll submit to those elders. So I'm like, I'm here at Fathom right now and I'll submit to you right now. And, and you know, the problem with that is that you're using a definition of submission that does not exist. That's not what submission means. It's not. Okay, you're saying, I'm gonna go to a church. I'm gonna go to a place until I don't. I'm gonna go there until I don't like it. Until he says something that offends me. Until they play a couple songs that I don't like. Until the coffee gets better. Whatever the thing is. I'm gonna go there until I don't like it and then I'm gone. And sure, I'll be there and I'll submit to the elders while I'm there. But that's not submission. That's not submission, and the parallel argument could be made about marriage. The illustration that we use is marriage, okay? Some, some will say this, well, we live together, and we sleep together, and we even have kids together, and we bought a house together. So, for all intents and purposes, we're married. And listen to me. No, you're not. You, you might be playing marriage, like playing house together, but that's not marriage. Marriage is marriage. That's not marriage. Being married is married, okay? That's something else. You can call it whatever you want. It's not marriage because there's nothing officially holding you to that person when things get tough. There's nothing officially holding you when you start to fall out of love, whatever that means, Every marriage has these moments of waxing and waning feelings for one another. It's part of being a human being. But if you're married, you're united in covenant relationship under God's eyes and your witnesses. That's how you know that you're married. And the same is true of the church. Belonging to a church is much more than whether you like a place or not. That's just so much more than, than whether you like the place and like the people and want to hang out there for a little while. And that's how most evangelicals treat church these days. I like the music. I like the preacher. I like the location. They've got a bouncy castle in the shape of an ark, and I love that, okay? <laughs> we do not have that. But if someone wants to buy us one, we'll take it, okay? <laughs> Guys, that's... That's not submission to a church. That's not submitting to a church. Belonging to a church is much more than that. It's much more than that. It's, it's, it's submission. It's, it's accountability. Like, hey, members that we just kind of prayed over, it's, it's I'm in this with you. You're in this with me. We know that we're in this together and we're not leaving for superficial reasons. Like there are good times to leave a church. I'm not saying that at all, but we're not gonna leave for flippant, superficial reasons when the, you know, the wind changes or a new cooler church opens six blocks down that we're gonna check out. No, we're not doing that. We're here because this is our family. This is our church home. This is why I think Peter says, submit to elders. Now, I do wanna end a little differently than uh, we normally do because I did this with submit to the government and I put pictures of men on the screen that most of you did not like. Um, but I do want to put up a, a slide today of the seven elders of Fathom. So we're going to put uh, the guy's pictures up on the screen. Those are, those are your elders, Fathom Church. That's me, okay? So you know that. Uh, but Eric Shelley, Gary Shear, John Holm, Justin Wellam, Kyle Knight, and Nate Wirtz. These are the seven elders of Fathom Church, and these elders are charged with knowing you and feeding the flock and protecting, gosh, beating down those who might try to come in here and divide us. 
The shepherd uses the staff to guide the sheep and to beat some wolves senseless at times. That's a part of eldering. But they also lead Fathom Church. They know, feed, protect, and lead. And listen, these guys serve you in so many ways I can't even count. So many behind-the-scenes ways, so many in-front-of-the-scenes ways. They are here to shepherd us. Not just, not just you, us, me. They serve me in this. And I can't tell you how much these guys do for this church. So what I want us to do is just pray for them. That's how I want us to end this sermon. Is I want us to pray for the elders that, that Fathom has, that God has brought us. And I want us to pray for potential future elders that God would have for our church. Like, I know this is a little different. Like, I know this is a weird sermon, okay? Like, you're, you were like, boy, I thought this was gonna be motivational. It's like, hey, submit to me, okay? The big, I know this feels kind of out of sorts, but this is what we see in the text. Peter's teaching this to us because this will lead towards healthier churches and we wanna be a healthy church. So we're gonna pray for these guys uh, that, that God has appointed over this church who we are called to submit to. So let's bow together, let's pray for our elders. Lord, this is a, uh, it feels like a topical teaching more than like a real compelling preaching this morning. And yet, Lord, you you seem to think that this is so important that this isn't even the only place that this is covered in the New Testament. That how your local church, your body, is, is led, is cared for, is of the utmost importance to you, and therefore, Father, it is of utmost importance to us. We want to be faithful as sheep, as Christians, we want to submit to the good and godly uh, leadership that you've put over us. And that's hard on us. It's hard for me, Lord. I, I like to run my own course. I like to beat my own drum. I like to bristle against sometimes those constrictions that, that the elders put around me. And yet, Lord, it is for my good and it is for your glory. And so I submit to it. Lord, we pray for our elders. Thank you for these men. Thank you for the sacrifice that it is for them to do this work. Thank you that none of them is in it for vain glory, for deceitful wealth, for power or prestige, but they are humble men who are willing to sacrifice on our behalf. God, I pray for their, for their wives, for their children, for the sacrifice that it is to be the family of an elder, who gets called at random times and gets text in the middle of the night and, and is, is at the, the crosshairs of conflict in this church, Lord, would you build them up and encourage them as well? And then, Father, we pray for, for more men to be called as elders, for all to aspire not to the office of elder, but to the qualifications of elder, that we would be uh, of high repute, that we would have high morals, high values, that we would be subject to you, that all of us would aim for that, but Lord, that you would put the desire in some uh, hearts to potentially become elders. Give us as the church great discernment to spy out um, disqualified men. Protect us from that, Father but we trust you. We submit to you in this. So we love you, Father. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit and all God's people said, amen.